Before I read the scripture passage for today, I want to take a minute just to say happy Father's Day to my father-in-law, Ron Shelley. He has helped me in many ways over the years, but today he helps me because he is a man with two sons. And our scripture story is about a man with two sons. I am married to the oldest of Ron Shelley's sons, and he's a home builder. Not too many years ago, he built a barn for his father on his property. And let me tell you, horses have never had such great digs. His other son, my brother-in-law, is a doctor. And when my father-in-law was hospitalized in April, just a few months ago, my brother-in-law was the only person in the family that could get to him. So if I were to ask the question, which son is better? Who's the favorite? And we didn't let my husband or his brother answer. What's the right answer to that question? Well, I am very confident that my father-in-law would say both. Both are favorite. Both are loved. Our scripture passages today is from Genesis 21. It's a story about Abraham and his two sons, Ishmael and Isaac. The classic mistake in interpreting this story is that we hear it like a bunch of Isaacs, because we are a bunch of Isaacs, and we immediately go to Isaac is better, Isaac is the favorite son, but quite simply, this is a story about a man who has two sons. So on Father's Day, hear this story from the perspective of the father. I'm going to begin with verse 8. The child grew and was weaned. And on the day that Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had borne to Abraham was mocking. And she said to Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. But God said to him, do not be so distressed about the boy and your slave woman, Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the slave into a nation also, because he is your offspring. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and then set her off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. When the water and the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and she sat down about a bow shot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there, she began to sob. God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him a great nation. God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert, and he became an archer. While he was living in the desert of Paran, his mother got a wife for him from Egypt. This is a story of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Do not miss the compassion in this story. Our God is a God of compassion. God hears the crying of Hagar and Ishmael and provides. God provides water. God provides life. 
God provides a way through in the wilderness. At the end of the video that we watched just a few minutes ago was a United Methodist pastor, a scholar named Matthew Russell, who said, shame may in fact be real, but it's not the truth. That should resonate throughout this Bible story. Any shame that we put on people in the Bible, any shame that we put on people in our lives, it might be real, but it's not the truth. Compassion is the truth. Well, Abraham has two sons, a son named Isaac, whose name means laughter, and a son named Ishmael, whose name means God listens. I've come to believe that both names belong in my family tree, Grandpa Isaac and Great Uncle Ishmael. When we make this story a story of us and them, we miss out. We miss out on a significant piece of our heritage, a significant part of our blessing. Neither of Abraham's sons are bad sons. Ishmael's offense in verse 9 is that he's mocking Isaac. Other versions of the Bible say playing with or joking with Isaac. I like Robert Alter's translation the best. He goes with Ishmael is laughing at or Isaacing Isaac. Ishmael is Isaacing Isaac. He's laughing at laughter. And for Sarah, well, this is no laughing matter. She wants Ishmael and Hagar banished. Now, Sarah may just have had an issue with control. I know because I are one. More on this in a few minutes. But I want you to see that it's fundamentally true that we can't have two brothers in a family playing the same role. We can't have two brothers of laughter. We can't have two siblings trying to be the same person. Surely you know this from your own family. In families, we take on different roles. We take on different personalities from our brothers and our sisters. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work to duplicate each other. In this covenant family, the laughter child, Isaac, well, he's the child of the promise. And the thing is, the thing about Isaac is he's an impossible promise. That's what makes him the covenant child. He is a baby born to a woman who is way past childbearing years. So this is such a surprising promise that Sarah laughs. She laughs when she hears that this will be true. And we learn in this story something about how God works in this covenant. God works unpredictably. The covenant people benefit from unforeseeable grace. Walter Brueggemann says, Isaac is a gift He's a gift to be explained in no other way than wonder. And so when you and I feel awe-inspired wonder, when we think with a laugh, how is it that life can be this good? When we thank our lucky stars, we should also thank our great-grandfather Isaac. Because of Isaac, we know that God works in the most excellent and surprising ways. I've started keeping a list this week, a list of things that are so good they make me laugh. 
Texas peaches in June. They're really good this week. A rain shower, a child's laughter, my dog's haircut. It's great. Things that are so good, they make me laugh. You know, I've been known to overlook these things, but I've come to believe that noticing them, claiming them, is very simply claiming the covenant for myself. There are times when God is so good that I laugh. Isaac is the younger brother. He's the younger brother of Ishmael. And Ishmael, Ishmael's an only child for a while, for about 14 or 16 years. So he is a child of focused focused attention as only children are. He's a child of high regard. Brueggemann says that Ishmael is the result of skillful determination and planning. And I think that's true. The Lord says to Abraham, a son who is your own will be your heir. And Abraham and Sarah, well, they scratch their heads and they begin to figure out how they can make this work. This is well-intentioned control, but it is, in fact, control. God says it, and Sarah decides that she'll make it happen. Well, bless your bones, Sarah, because we understand. Often when God says it, we decide that we will make it happen too. And I imagine that these are the times when God laughs. You see, it's not an altogether bad thing. Some have even called this strategy working to bring in the kingdom of God to earth. And I believe that God is well inclined toward our striving in a right and just direction. But this can be a problematic path. It is sometimes a problematic path because we're simply wrong. And... More often than not, we don't see the whole picture. We don't see all the pieces. And often in our efforts to step up, we step on other people. Sarah says in verse 10 of this chapter, Get rid, get rid of that slave woman and her son. He shall not inherit along with my son. And stepping up, she steps on. It's important to be aware of the difficulties. It's important to see the problems. The path of the story of Ishmael, while it is a good and necessary path, it demands that we pack humility and we pack forgiveness. When we don't do this, when we haven't, real sons and daughters like Hagar and Ishmael are forced to focus on death instead of life. We leave it to God to show them the life, and we don't have to do that. Some have said that in the story of Hagar and Ishmael, there's a foreshadowing. It's a foreshadowing of the Exodus story that they are let go as Moses demands that Pharaoh let his people go. And that Hagar and Ishmael wander in the wilderness and that they are sustained in the wilderness. We need to know that God delivers people, that God listens to their cries of distress. And you know what? I want to be on the right side of deliverance. It's become blatantly obvious to me this week 
that I sit before a buffet of problems with very long-term solutions. While I much prefer immediate fixes, now is not a time of quick fixes. And two of the problems that sit before us as a greater community are racism in America and a global pandemic. I want deliverance. Genesis teaches me that the path to deliverance is made of many, many stepping stones of blessing. And it's important for me to take these steps of blessing and to notice these steps of blessing. There's a book called 70 Hebrew Words Every Christian Should Know. And Old Testament professor Matt Schlem has taught me in this book that blessings come in two ways in the Hebrew Bible. On the one hand, on the one hand, blessings are everyday goodness sprinkled among us. God has a way of bringing good things into the lives of the faithful. This is the way of my grandfather Isaac. On the other hand, blessings come when God and people are mixed together. They come when people hold fast to God in the here and now. They come when people work for justice and righteousness. This is the way of my great uncle Ishmael. I think that both are needed. I need both. I'm given both ways of blessing and I want to claim both as my inheritance as we move toward deliverance. Pray with me. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill us with the desire to change ourselves and to change the world. We seek movement and growth toward compassion and understanding. Would you free us, each of us, from any voice that tells us we are not loved, we are not favored, so that our lives might display undefended hearts, blessed by your abundant goodness. Lord, would you sharpen our spiritual hearing, that we may with you hear the cries of the needy and hear your call to action. We pray these things in the name of the one who longed for a time when there are no outsiders, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen.